Dante Greco. Dante is a really smart guy. Ladies love Dante. Look at that hair. Look at that face. Dante Greco. Dante was me, yours truly. I'm gonna come. Welcome back to the Dante Greco Show. It's Monday, it's been a long time. There's going to be a marathon of a show. Whoops, green screen's already falling apart. Haven't been on since mid last week. I apologize. Got a lot to cover. So much happened. Biggest news today Donald Trump has landed back in his home of New York City. I'm sure he's thrilled to be there, to be indicted, to be taken into custody, put in handcuffs, get that mug shot. It's going to be huge. There's footage of him. Everyone was following the plane. It was kind of like uh, the white Bronco chase in a, in a weird, more legal way. People were following the plane from Mar-a-Lago up to New York. Here's some footage of Donald uh, arriving and the crowds that are there to greet him. The scene, the supporters, the anti-Trumpers, everybody's out. And it's an exciting day. If you're in New York City and you happen to be watching, please comment. Let us know what's going on out there. What's the vibe? I remember I saw Trump while he was president once in Beverly Hills. He was coming to uh, what was then the Montage Hotel for a fundraiser. And you couldn't get close, but there were a lot of people on the streets and they pulled the motorcade through. I saw like a brief glimpse of him in the uh in the window you know sometimes they have presidents i think not even sometimes all the time they have presidents they, there's like a double who's traveling in a different car not the beast which is the black uh limousine for the for the for the actual president but they have uh, like an alternate decor and there's someone that kind of looks like the president like i saw that when president obama came through town once too i wasn't sure if i saw obama or his double but I feel like with Trump, it's so hard to get the hair right that I'm 99% positive that it was Trump that I saw. Other time I saw him was before he was president. When I was living in Nashville, I saw him at a rally, which was nearby my place. And I went over there because I thought, oh, this is like kind of like a novelty, like Trump for president. You know, I didn't realize it was going to be the next eight years of our lives. But it was cool. You know, he was right there. He was right there in a sea of people waving and his hair. He looks like he's got like a very big head. And because of the way he has like a little, uh, it's not a cowlick, but like a duck bill or something in the back of his head. And the way his head goes forward, he looks like his head looks like a big goldfish with straw tied around on all sides. Uh, it was very interesting. So anyways, Trump flew into New York. Let's look at some of the footage of what we got. <laughs>
I delayed starting the show for like 45 minutes to edit that together, and now I'm not even sure it was worth it. But anyways, that is real footage from today. People are out. People are having a good time. You have all kind of influencers on both sides. You got Alex Stein, the guy who called AOC his favorite big booty Latina. He's uh, like a conservative online comedian. He's there. Uh, a lot of other reporters. I haven't seen any of the liberal influencers out there, but I'm sure they will be there as Donald Trump arrives. As we can see here, the Donald has landed. I like that they're going back to calling him the Donald. I was always saddened that uh, that nickname was abandoned when he started running for president because everybody hated him, so they didn't want to call him the Donald. But I like the Donald. I don't know. It's very him. He waves to supporters as he arrives at Trump Tower in Manhattan ahead of tomorrow's historic arraignment. I wonder if they shined those golden toilets to make sure that they were gleaming as soon as Donald walked in. He probably misses this apartment, but uh, I, I, I don't know. He, his apartment at Trump Tower, that is. I don't think that um, he goes to New York very much anymore. I think he feels like people hate him, and he's been waiting for this indictment for a long time, so he doesn't want to be there. But here he is. He didn't have to do anything. Uh, Ron DeSantis did not have to get involved in some ugly legal battle about not extraditing the president. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, that was certainly a calculation Trump must have made because he could have used that to turn his supporters against DeSantis if DeSantis wasn't fighting hard enough to keep Donald safely nestled away in his compound at Mar-a-Lago. So Donald kind of let him off the hook with that one. But I'm sure he calculated that going there, getting cuffed, getting a mug shot, the spectacle would be uh would, would pay bigger dividends for him politically. Touchdown at LaGuardia just after 3:30 p.m. His lawyers are still making arrangements for his appearance at the courthouse. They're preparing to bolster their team with a first amendment expert. Okay, what's he gonna do? How is he gonna help? What if Donald just decided to end it all there and he was like, you know what? 9-11-2. Take this train right into One World Trade Center. Let's go. Maybe if he had a terminal disease or something, he would do that. All right. Trump members of his staff and his legal team then made the 10-mile trip from Queens to Trump Tower, where he waved before ducking into a side entrance of the property. He shied away from his using his usual entry, where crowds were gathered awaiting his arrival, and police were lining the streets... That's weird. You know, go there and wave to your supporters. I mean, you got people out there. You know, it's not going to turn into another January 6th yet. But you could go in and just uh, give him a wave. I don't know. Maybe he's going to open the window like Michael Jackson when he waved his babies out in front of the reporters. And he's going to, you know, wave Eric. Hold Eric out the window like Suge Knight dangling vanilla ice to get his uh, rights to ice ice baby. All right. New York is bracing for possible po possible protests. Police began building barricades along the edge of the sidewalks around Trump Tower in the Manhattan Criminal Court building downtown over the weekend. Yeah, you saw those people. You got the supporters and then you got the old hippies that are standing out there with their signs. On Monday, his legal team also issued a plea to the judge to ban cameras from the courtroom and hire top defense attorney Todd Blanche 
to boost their case. Ah, banning cameras. I don't know. I mean, that's not very reality TV of him. Everything about Donald that people like is because he's so open and he is uh, he, he like takes you inside and and shares his real thoughts and feelings of whatever you think about them. He lets you in. Put some cameras in that courtroom. Although, you know what? In New York City, I believe this is from when I was at TMZ. I used to be the courtroom guy for a while. I would have to go in and like sit there and film Chris Brown and any other number of uh, rappers and, and whoever was in trouble, whoever was in legal trouble, I would have to film them. And it always, you know, I never wanted to film Suge Knight. One of my other ex coworkers had to film Suge Knight. And I always thought, God, Suge is going to remember that face. And if he ever gets out, he's going to come looking for Jesse, um, who is now uh, one of the hosts and the uh, editor over at Inside Fighting. And I'm on the Fight Season podcast with him and another guy that I used to work with. So go check that out. Anyways, I remember when I was a court guy, we always had to go in and film inside in court here in L.A., but they wouldn't. I distinctly remember when they'd have court assignments in New York that they weren't allowed to go in. That's why you only ever see courtroom sketches coming out of New York City courtrooms. It's campaign managers Susie Wiles and Chris LaCivita uh, joined him. All right, who cares? The charges against Trump remain sealed, but it's believed they stem from an investigation into the $130,000 hush money payment to porn star Stormy Daniels. Yeah, he's facing... 30 counts i heard and supposedly we're going to get to see what he's facing it's a lot of counts when i heard 30 counts i started to reconsider my assessment that you know he might just skate by on this thing i don't know that's a lot uh, that's a lot to beat this is what he posted on Sunday night. On Tuesday morning, I will be going to, believe it or not, the courthouse. America was not supposed to be this way. Court officials say he's due to be arraigned at 2.15 p.m. on Tuesday. Then he's going to go to Mar-a-Lago where he plans to make a speech in the evening. Now, that's going to be the interesting rub, too, because supposedly they're going to gag him physically. They're going to hold him down and gag him so that he can't speak about the case. They're going to waterboard him if he does speak about it. So I don't know how he's going to pull off that speech. But again, you know, we got to remember, this is the first time ever that he's faced any kind of legal consequences for anything. So if he violates the gag order, then, and he's already back at Mar-a-Lago, are they going to send the marshals down to haul his ass out and put him in jail for 30 days and give him the $1,000 fine that he would face if he violates the gag order? I don't know. But you know what? I bet he would like them to try because then that sets DeSantis up for another thing where he has to defend Trump, uh, even though he probably doesn't want to. And, you know, it looks great for his for his supporters. Oh, my God, they went down to take him away because the president decided to speak about what was happening to him. He's got him by the balls. Whoa, this MAGA woman should stay out of the sun. I know you want to support your president, but for the love of God, wear sunscreen. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, he is there.
see what Drudge has to say about this. We're all going to be watching. I mean, of course, the big day is tomorrow when he goes into court. And so we're going to be checking that out as well. I don't know if I'll be live when it's happening because uh, I want to watch it. And there are experts who are more qualified than I to walk you through everything as it happens. But afterwards, to wrap it up, I'll definitely get on and talk about it. Drudge Report is taking a long time to load, so I don't know what's happening. Um, let's see on Twitter. We searched Trump on Twitter, and this is what's going on. Yeah, so you can see all these videos. Okay, they got Biden talking about Trump. Let's hear it. Of, uh, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he, uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our constitution, does not become the next president again. We just have to demonstrate. I don't know. That seemed a little weird, even for Biden. I'm not sure if that's not one of those deep fakes. <sighs> I don't know. It's Twitter. Let's look at some more people on the street. This is war tonight. You people are being lied to. This is the beginning of World War III. This is war the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962. This is the beginning of World War III. Biden doesn't care about the people. He doesn't care. He's turning Ukraine into a graveyard. Biden is turning Ukraine into a graveyard. Then the I got. I'm so sick of people going down to demonstrations and yelling. I put up with too much of that stuff, didn't we all? For like seven years, every single weekend, there was a march, and everyone got up and made their speech and felt important. And like they were crazy people from both sides. Literally, there was always the the Trump, the pro Trump guys that were like really angry, but then there were the liberals who were you know really angry. And they're just yelling, just spouting. They just have nothing else to do. This guy doesn't. What is it's Monday? This guy's out there in the middle of the street with a sign on a Monday. He clearly has nothing else going on. I'm sick of demonstrations. It's not even that busy. Like, you look at this video, it's not even that many people out there. You know, there's probably more people waiting outside for a Taylor Swift concert than there are to support or protest Donald Trump. I think that the worries from uh, Mayor Eric Adams and anyone else in the NYPD, I think they're, they're like, like I've said before, no one in their right mind, which is a lot to ask for from the people that would show up here. But no one in their right mind is going to fight and uh, like do anything illegal that could lead to their arrest for Trump after you saw what happened on January 6th. Now, I know that the QAnon shaman just got released. He's in a halfway house. Hopefully he's smart enough not to show up here. But. Still, a lot of these people went to jail for a long time. Are they are they going to jail or they got long sentences or even like getting like six months in jail for January 6th is a major interruption of your life. So I advise you not to do it again. 
people. You will not be bailed out. You will not be pardoned. Nothing will happen. Just peacefully protest. See, that's mostly media. And this whole area is empty. I don't know. Again, it is the day before. It's the night before Christmas for liberals. So he uh, it might be busier tomorrow. They're all over this. This is really weird. So divided. Yeah, well, you know. We got a two-party system set up that way. What else are we supposed to do with our time? Be united? For how long? How long is that piece going to last? People like to argue. I like this. Donald Trump's lawyer. Donald Trump is Tupac. Trump is Biggie Smalls. And his indictment is only going to boost his image. In a way, that is true. As ridiculous as it sounds, I do agree with it. For his supporters, it will make him a martyr. He's correct. Oh, here's Trump smiling and waving. Nice. Nice. So we'll continue to monitor that situation. Uh, another resident of Trump Tower who got himself into some trouble is Keith Olbermann. Or he at least used to live in Trump Tower. We're going to move on for a moment because this story is about to be old anyway. Uh, the, the women's NCAA championship from yesterday. LSU beat Iowa. Um it was a, uh, some people called it uh, a tale of two cultures. You know, you had white Iowa versus uh, black LSU. Uh, that was one of the tweets that I saw. I didn't think of that, of course. I don't see color. But that's what they were saying. And then what really set off the firestorm, though, was when Angel Reese, the star player of the winning LSU team, did the you can't see me thing back to Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark, the 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 Larry Bird of Iowa to Angel Reese's magic was uh doing this at first and then when LSU beat them she uh Angel Reese did that back to Caitlin Clark. I personally I like it. It's great competitiveness. It's people are saying oh it's classless, it's unsportsmanlike. Shut the f up. It's the heat of the moment. She vanquished her opponent, the star player of the tournament, Caitlin Clark, the one who everyone's calling like the, the female Steph Curry because of how deep she can hit from, from uh, her, her three-pointers, how, how deep she can shoot a three-pointer in from. So she beat her, and she's saying, I'm getting the ring, and I'm, you can't see me. It's great. But, man, did that really expose a lot of people. Now, I don't like to sit here and be like, that's racist or this person needs to apologize. But I was watching the game. And then I went on Twitter to see what the reaction was. And immediately you could just see battle lines being drawn. Bunch of white people saying this is classless. Oh, how could you? You know, it's like up in arms about Angel Reese, who was a black player doing this. And I was just sitting there thinking, God, these people, 
control your emotions because these tweets are going to be out there forever. People are going to see how you really think. And one of the people who touched uh, the biggest nerve was Keith Olbermann, former MSNBC anchor. He was big time during the Bush years. Then he disappeared. He used to be a sports center guy, too, I think, in the 90s. He came from ESPN at the very least. Then he was a big political commentator on MSNBC, and then he kind of disappeared. Who knows what he's up to? He's on Twitter, though. He called Angel Reese an effing idiot. And that pissed a lot of people off because it was a little harsh. And I agreed. And when I saw that, I thought, you're the effing idiot for tweeting that. Again, I'm not a politically correct person at all, but it's clear that why like you're showing your true self if what Angel Reese did pisses you off that much. So here is some reaction from some uh, players. Jay Williams, who is on ESPN, he's the guy who ruined his career because he couldn't stay off a motorcycle when he was in like his third year, he was supposed to be the savior of the Chicago Bulls back in the early 2000s. Takes a motorcycle out one day, destroys his hip, has to retire. Luckily, he resurrected his career on uh, as a commentator and good for him. But man, motorcycles will kill you. Just as an aside, get off of them. All right. Talking is okay, people. Like we see it with Patrick Beverly and Austin Reeves and we applaud it. We, we see it with uh, the way Russell Westbrook is being guarded in the playoffs where people sit in the lane and they don't guard them. Yeah, we, we saw that with Caitlin Clark in, uh, against South Carolina, going against Raven Johnson, mm -hmm. wiping away the hands. We've seen Caitlin Clark with the John Cena hand. Now you don't see me, now you don't. Um, it's part of the game. The thing that bothered me last night is that while Angel Reese is doing it towards the end of the game, we have a, a certain section of people that then want to come out and call people like Angel Reese, who is 20 years old. Now think about this. The narrative that's been following this team all year long, right, has been they're ghetto, they're thugs. Think about what you heard Dawn Staley talk about the other day. She literally made a comment about it. It went viral. We're not head coach of South Carolina, okay, after the loss. We're not bar fighters. We're not thugs. We're not monkeys. We're not street fighters. And today I'm pissed off because instead of, congratulating and celebrating LSU, we're talking about elements of race and double standards. So when Caitlin Clark is doing all this, she has swag. Um, she's a competitor. She's lost in the juices. This is what we love. But when Angel Reese does it, and was it maybe a tad bit excessive? Could she have been called a T? Sure, if the refs wanted to call her an a T at the end of the game for trash talking because she followed Caitlin Clark around. These are the same things that motivates young people in sports. And we applaud it in other directions, but now we want to apply race towards it, or we want to apply, look at her. She's a classless piece of, that's what Dave Portnoy said. I'm putting names on it. Mm. Keith Overman called her a blanking idiot mm. on Twitter. What, what are we doing? Why, why, are we, why are we taking it to that level? If you want to criticize it and say, call a tech, fine. I'm okay with that. At least you're having some kind of informed opinion on it. But now we're name-calling. Now we're questioning people's character of winning a chance. That just really – I'm not going to allow that to happen to our show and also nationally. Trash talking is okay, people. 
Yeah. Like, so we, I, we with I'm with him. Like calling our blanking idiot, as he said, is that is way too far. Like, why are you so pissed? All of a sudden, who knew Keith Olbermann was this passionate about women's basketball? What is he doing? Like, totally unnecessary. Classless piece of s. Uh, you know. I hate like the whole classy argument. Oh, that's not classy. Shut up. Even, you know, Dave Portnoy, who, by the way, I like, uh, I've interviewed Dave Portnoy. He's nice. He's cool. And uh, listen, give me a job. But Keith Olbermann in particular, what an effing idiot. Let's look for the tweet. Let's look for the tweet. This guy just doesn't get it. I used to, I, I wasn't against Keith Olbermann. Uh, people, a lot of people don't like him, but. He um, he just shows himself to be dumber and dumber. He is like a personality disorder, I think. All right, who knows? He might have deleted it by now, but uh, I'm with I'm with Jay Williams. I'm with uh, it doesn't matter the gender here. He says it doesn't matter the gender, the sport. The background, you're seconds away from a championship and you do something like this and overshadow all the good, mindless classes, and what kind of coach does this team have? I do agree with what kind of coach does this team have because that coach was on the court the entire game and, like, tugging on the referee. I mean, they should have teed her up a long time ago. The refing was horrible. By the way, you know, I I applaud both Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark because I've never, ever watched a women's basketball game in my life. I didn't care. I don't care about college basketball, period because the players just can't hit their shots, but I will give it up to them. The women were hitting shots. It was almost like an NBA game. So it was great entertainment. So good for both of them for being competitive. I hope they can be the, the female Magic and Bird. We can get one of them on the LA team and the other on whatever the Boston WNBA team is. It would be excellent. But um, again, it showed people. Yeah, here it is. What a fucking idiot. Angel Reese to Caden Clark, mindless and classless. Let's shut up. What century you live in? What decade you live in? What is it, the 50s? Classless. It's called competition. You got drummed out of the media because of competition. Pal. All right. Anyways, that's Keith Olbermann. What's the Eminem story? I forget about that. What is, what is the Eminem story? This is about when Eminems tried to pretend that they were uh, getting canceled, but it turned out to be some lame ad uh, advertising campaign. Moving on. Oh, so let's just keep wading into controversy, okay? We're going to wade further into controversy. Because that's the most interesting stuff to talk about on a show. Bud Light does not understand their demographic at all. At all. You know, just a few years ago, Bud Weiser, if you remember, decided to change the name of their beer to America. Not like America beer or like American beer, like, you know, American pride. No, they just, they literally just changed the name of their beer to America because they thought our fans are like, you know, patriotic flag loving Americans 
Why not just call the beer America? I'm drinking America. A few short years later, they're now making Dylan Mulvaney, the trans influencer who rose to fame with her, uh, her uh, what is it called? Uh, 365 days as a woman. Oh, real quick. The Fox guy tried to cancel M&Ms over the sexiness of a character. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember what you're talking about. Totally insane. Don't trust all these media people. I think they, they start to get a little crazy. They get paid too much. Um, anyways, Dylan Mulvaney, you know her. Some of you love her. Some of you don't. She, uh, she was born a man and then became a woman. There are questions about whether or not this is all just a media, this is like a career move because some footage emerged of pre-transitioning Dylan Mulvaney on The Price is Right. Hamming it up. Drew Carey was watching like, chill out. You know, it's not that exciting to win or to, you know, won a pool table or whatever the hell it was. Just chill. But anyways, She's now the spokesperson for Bud Light. Now, I don't have a problem with a company choosing whoever they want to be a spokesperson. I think, great. Visibility, representation, excellent. Trans people getting endorsement deals, you know, just starting to be treated like a normal thing. I think that's what everyone wants. The, from from the trans uh, population to, you know, non-trans, non-LGBTQ people. I think everyone would just like, hey, okay, fine. You all exist. We all exist in this world. Let's all just treat each other like normal. That's okay. However, just from a, uh, like, understanding your demographic perspective, what is Bud Light thinking? First of all, I don't even know that women drink Bud Light in large numbers. Period. Any woman. So how did they get suckered into choosing Dylan Mulvaney as their new spokesperson? Obviously, I know this doesn't have any real effect on my life or most people's lives. It's just one of those things where you see it and go, huh? Who's making this decision? Trans TikTok star Dylan Mulvaney was announced as the latest spokesperson for Bud Light in a pair of videos that were attacked on social media. Trans activists revealed on Saturday that the beer company sent packs of Bud Light featuring the influencer's face as a way to celebrate the 365 days of girlhood. Milestone Mulvaney recently reached. Happy March Madness just found out this had to do with sports and not just saying it's a crazy month. In celebration of this sports thing, at Bud Light is giving you the chance to win $15,000. I don't like that. It's like playing the character of like uh, this sports thing. Like, well, a lot of women know sports. We just had a major NCAA championship March Madness for, for the women. Okay, so chill out on that. I guess they want to reach a new demographic, but... I, I don't even know, like, is there a large demographic? Because it just feels like it's going, to, it, it makes it too easy for people who are uh, against LGBTQ, 
you know, uh, I don't know, quality, whatever, who, who just like are kind of like sick of it or against it. It's very easy to say, well, I'm not drinking Bud Light anymore. I'm not going to buy Bud Light. I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not going to like people that buy. But I've already seen people on Twitter, like when I showed the video of uh, the people outside Trump Tower and the truck driver drove by and gave the finger. I saw someone on Twitter saying, oh, he must be a Bud Light drinker. So they're probably going to lose more customers than they could possibly gain with this because it's going to turn people up. They don't understand. You know, the rest of the country isn't into Dylan Mulvaney. Sorry. You know, New York, L.A., probably um, you got more supporters around here and then people scattered around the country. But just from a business perspective, some people say they want to drink Bud Light even less than before. Yeah. It just it comes to a point where people get bothered by by just like, all right, you know, now you're really figuratively shoving it down our throats. Can't even drink my butt. I could just picture some good old, you know, conservative leaning dad sitting at the, on the couch ready to watch football. You think he's going to pick up a bit Bud Light with Dylan Mulvaney's face on it? I'm sorry. I got no real issue with Dylan Mulvaney. I'm just thinking like, what? it's not going to happen. Pass me a Mulvaney. I don't think so. They created Santa Claus to encourage people to drink around Christmas. Drink alcohol or Coca-Cola? I like that though. Listen, again, I I'm I I I I like the uh I like the um I like opening up advertising revenue to different groups of people. You know, things have been closed off for a long time, for too long. It's just you gotta know your demographic, you know. Maybe like a craft beer company would be better off with this. Or like a Blue Moon. I don't know. Another video featured Mulvaney in a bathtub drinking a Bud Light beer as part of the campaign. The announcement was met with backlash, with Twitter users describing the ad campaign as another attempt to push gender propaganda. John Cardillo, a conservative commentator, said, "What? Who the hell at Bud Light thought it was a good idea to make a grown man who dresses like little girls their new spokesperson? Brands have to stop listening to their woke creative teams and get in touch with their consumer demographics. Derek Hunter says Bud Light, the groomer of beers. This isn't a parody. Dylan Mulvaney is now the face of Bud Light. Journalist Ian Miles Chong similarly wrote. Is the, is the Bud Light thing an April's Fool's joke? I mean, it is trash beer, but given the constituent demo of Bud Light drinkers, it seems like a terrible, terrible marketing thing yeah someone's gonna get fired over this it is some someone at bud light is gonna get fired over this or maybe they've just been being harangued by you know some some new hire to do this and they're gonna do it and they're gonna say see you you damaged our brand you're fired we've had enough you know they're relenting and now they're gonna be able to say you 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 screwed us over with this idea so I don't know. I didn't drink Bud Light anyway because, yeah, it is a, a shit beer. What is it? It's like 4% alcohol. You might as well just drink water. You're going to drink that. But I see someone comment that he's getting paid by Tampax. Well, of course. Women have periods. 
It makes perfect sense. All right, let's keep going. Um, oh, what is that? All right, let's get into the legal portion of our show. Uh, a teacher shot by a six-year-old student says the school ignored warnings and now filed a $40 million suit, and I'm with her. You don't remember. She was shot by a six-year-old in class. Little kid was holding a gun, pointed it at her. She tried to take it away, fired it, almost killed the woman. She should be suing because apparently they repeatedly, school repeatedly ignored warnings about the youngster. Listen, one of the harsh truths in life is that a lot of kids are just little bastards. And unfortunately, especially if a kid is coming from a troubled household, you know, you feel for them. You want to get them the help that they need. But in the meantime, when you have to deal with them day to day, you could be dealing with a little bastard. And in this case, a murderous little bastard. Abigail Zwerner filed the suit nearly three months after she was shot while teaching at Rich Neck Elementary School. And not going to be rich much longer, right? In Newport News, by a first grader with a history of random violence. That history included multiple, multiple reports that a firearm was on school property and likely in possession of a violent individual. The suit said about the troubled youngster who was suspended for smashing Zwerner's phone two days before the shooting. Wow. We know for a fact that there were at least three opportunities for them to stop this from happening, one of her attorneys told the Today Show. At that point in time, you have a ticking time bomb in school and the school failed to do anything about it. I agree. They don't do shit. When you complain... When you go, like, let's say your kid is having an issue, like someone's uh, bullying them or just like, you know, just being a little jerk. They don't do anything. They just be like, huh, okay, thank you for your input. And then they let the kids run wild and they never stop any bad behavior. The, the teachers or the teaching aides or whoever, they anything, anytime they witness anything, they just like turn the other way. Nothing happens. Zwerner filed the suit after school officials refused to settle, claiming that it was effectively a workers' compensation case. That's what they've maintained up until today, that that is just part of the job for a first-grade teacher to be shot by their own student. That's outrageous. Yeah, a workman's compensation case? Hey, you, you're a teacher. You should know you're going to get shot. Good chance you're going to get shot. I had to send a strongly worded email to the school principal after pleading for help with my child's bully. She went to go find the kid at recess and found him beating on another little girl. Yeah, exactly. There's just bad kids out there. Now, look, they could be turned around. They could be helped. But, like, it doesn't help to just let them run wild. That is unacceptable. That's outrageous. And that's not what happened here, she said, of the completely preventable attack. All right. The lawsuit detailed how the young student only identified as John Doe previously choked another teacher, <laughs> choked another teacher, a six-year-old, and even pulled up a female classmate's dress and began to touch her inappropriately. At what point can you expel someone? That's what they have the, the continuation school for. I forget what it's called. Um, 
they had it in high school. It's like, you know, you get kicked out for bad behavior, but they don't want to totally just, you know, leave you in the lurch. So you go to the other school for, for bad people. Wow. And you say, one of the commenters says that uh, that kid is still beating on everyone in grade five. Yeah. Sorry, but you're ruining the other children's learning experience by pulling people's dresses and choking teachers and shooting teachers. That actually will, believe it or not, ruin the other kids' experience and make it very hard for them to learn what they need to learn. It's very distracting when your teacher gets shot in the chest in the middle of class. He was so troubled, in fact, at least one of his parents was required to attend school with him because of his violent tendency. What the f Wait, 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 wait. He had previously been placed on a modified schedule for chasing students around the playground with a belt in an effort to whip them with it, as well as cur cursing at staff and teachers. I mean, look, it sounds like he's got horrible parents. Where, where do you think a kid learned to whip people? He was so troubled, in fact, at least one of his parents was required to attend school with him because of his violent tendencies. What, that must have been a picnic to have the, the parent there, too, whoever that asshole is, allegedly. When you're at the point that you have to force the parent to attend school with the child, and he's only six, maybe homeschooling is an option. Or just say, you're not welcome here. Sorry, you got to go. I hate how we elevate the needs of the problematic person. There's one problematic person, but you can't do anything about them. Everyone else, the other you know, 30 kids in class or 400, 500 kids in the school, they all got to just deal with this and walk around on eggshells, walk around, you know, looking over their backs in case this little weirdo is coming at them with a belt or a gun, literally a gun. Teachers' concerns were always dismissed. And he would often come back from the school office with some type of reward, such as a piece of candy. rather than action to prevent the risk he posed. He was given a one-day suspension for smashing Zwerner's cell phone, the complaint noted. That's one day? You know, cell phones are like $1,000. And she's on a teacher's salary. I mean, they could barely make ends meet as it is. Gotta get a new cell phone? I mean, if she, what if she didn't have an upgrade available? What the hell was she supposed to do? When he returned on January 6th, the day of the shooting, he was not assigned a one-on-one -on -one companion, and his mother did not stay in school with him as per the requirement. Zwerner personally raised concerns about the disturbed boy's violent mood with then-assistant principal Ebony Parker, who essentially ignored her concerns. Another teacher then heard that the boy had a gun, the suit said. Although his backpack was searched, Parker, who later resigned refused to let them search the boy himself, even when a teacher reported that other kids saw him hiding the gun in a sweatshirt pocket. Okay, come on. What do you think? It's a conspiracy against the kid? He's been in your office how many times? Causing problems? You're always sending him out with little candies? Yeah, if a teacher hears and sees the kid with a gun, tackle that kid. Trip him. I don't know. Whatever you got to do. Put a, catch him with a net. What, whatever you got to do. Put a cardboard box over him. Stop him in his tracks. 
to get the gun away, okay? Then you can do whatever, but Jesus Christ. He's probably a sociopath, and we'll see his name in the news again probably not long from now. I, I believe it. Because, I, I, like, it doesn't sound like anything's changing. And, you know, the parents probably don't have $40 million, so this is all going to come from the school. And that kid is just going to keep going down the wrong path. Nobody's stepping in. The parents don't seem capable of it. Homeschool can also be risky. It can be risky. And there are things, you know, I always see people online like homeschool your kids, move out of cities, homeschool your kids. Like, I don't know about that. A lot of the kids that I saw that were homeschooled came out a little bit weird. Let's be honest. You got to socialize your kids. They have to be around other children to learn how to exist in society. So I'm not all about like homeschool, get away from schools. No, I think schools should be great. But homeschool can be risky, perhaps. But in this case, having this kid in school is much riskier. You know, he's just going to have to figure it out at home. Call call uh, CPS for that. Teachers should be allowed to spank again. Honestly, it might come to that point. Like the teachers might have to go on strike to to like be allowed to to discipline more because you got kids coming in of all ages now shooting the the whole freaking place up although his backpack was surged okay um a third teacher also reported how another pupil saw the gun but parker again forbade yet another pu teacher permission to further search him the suit said listen this isn't a stop and frisk it's like Somebody reporting, three people reporting that the kid has a gun. There is probable cause here. Less than an hour later, the boy shots Warner during a class. And can you imagine if she had died, and not just her hair red, but if she had died, this the the, the like the Ebony Parker should be facing charges. She might have, should be facing charges anyway. And anyone else who, who uh, facilitated this. It's outrageous. She still has the bullet lodged in her chest. It changed me. It's changed my life, she said at the time, saying she is still haunted by the look on the boy's face while he pointed the gun directly at me. She loved being a teacher, loved teaching children, but the emotional trauma she has sustained is just unbelievable, so her future is uncertain at this time. Yeah, I don't know how you could walk back into a classroom and feel safe after that. That's like worst-case scenario. So, Okay, officials said last month that the boy who was taken into care by Newport News Social Services will not face charges. However, it has not ruled out charges against the adults involved. Well, of course, whoever gave him the gun should be dealt with. Please. Now he's with Newport News Social Services. Yeah, I bet that's a great organization. Like uh, one of the commenters said, we'll probably hear his name again, unfortunately. Because uh, once you get into the social services, it, it ain't going to work out well. All right. It's not a resort. You're not going to uh, sandals or something. Okay. Sure, it's a shithole. All right. Other legal thing. Uh, last week, this guy proposed to his girlfriend on the field 
during the Dodgers, LA Dodgers baseball team's opening game, and he got tackled pretty hard. The woman that he proposed to accepted the proposal. So they're going to get married, but he has been banned from the field for one year. Uh, I think now this is another guy. Where's the video? God damn it. You, you see him getting tackled there. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Sorry. Excuse me. So anyways, this guy gets tackled. A horrible idea. Look, I know I, I got engaged recently myself. So I know how hard it is to try and think of something because you want it to be special. You want to make the girl feel special. You want to uh, make it, uh, you know, a big deal. A lot of times you got to do it publicly so that people can see you get on your knees and express your love. And, um, you know, it's important and you got to got to do something big. I say do something meaningful over pick something that's going to be meaningful over picking something that's going to be a spectacle like this, because now you can't go to the game for a year. You know, if you're there on opening night, you can uh, you, you you must love baseball. Now, where are you going to go to the Anaheim Angels? He's like he didn't get banned from from the MLB, period. Uh, he could have arranged to be on the big screen. Someone says, yeah, exactly. Like they do this type of stuff all the time. You can talk to them and just say, hey, I want to propose, you know, let's do it during the seventh inning stretch or something. But however, this guy got tackled pretty goddamn hard. Look at this. They knocked his ass down. They came at him and knocked him down like they were Jay Sanderson ramming into Gwyneth Paltrow's ass and making moaning noises. So I think, you know, he's lucky he didn't suffer a concussion or something. I don't support or condone people doing stuff like this. I don't like people making a big deal, ruining a sporting event by making it about them and going onto the field. It's unsafe. The players don't know what's going on, but the guy's clearly holding something up. You know, he just looks like a, like an idiot holding a ring smiling all right i don't think he was a threat so the takedown was a little much for me now it would be a frivolous lawsuit sure but why not listen you're gonna get married and you're gonna have to spend all this money on a wedding and a honeymoon and everything else so why not get a little frivolous lawsuit and try to pay for some of that stuff that's all i'm saying he deserved it they have to make an example of him yes they do they do they do have to discourage it but what I saw was hard enough that if they, if he wanted to get like Larry H. Parker or somebody to take this case, I bet he could find somebody. What if he was as bad as the six-year-old? Exactly. You know what? What if he pulled out a gun? He proposed. What if he proposed with his gun? Will you, you will marry me instead of will you marry me? Um. Yeah, it was hard. But, you know, he seems okay. Now that I've seen this, they got him. They talked to him. They're smiling. He avoided jail time.
he uh, he said he was in a great deal of pain because of that massive shot that he took in the security guard. He actually had to be taken to the hospital. Thankfully, he was diagnosed and with nothing more than just some bad bruising and is okay now. Uh, the other thing is security. You know, I, I'm so split on this entire story because security guards annoy me too. From all my years trying to get interviews with people when I was at DMZ, security guards take their job so seriously when there's clearly not an issue. Like they're always wanting to like push people around and be like, hey, man, we're not doing that right now and get out of here. You know, we're not going to even when the celebrity wanted to talk, it would be like, no, man, we're not doing this. And they would ruin the whole interview. You know, or they got their flashlights or whatever, and they want to jostle people around. And I always accepted it. I knew it was part of the gig. So I never was a guy who was going to sue anybody. I was never, you know, trying to provoke any fight. I would just move my camera to get a clearer shot of the person. And, you know, I remember one time talking about how I had to do the court stuff uh, earlier uh, when I was uh, when Chris Brown was going to jail for whatever it was and they used to make me to get the shot i had to shoot the case like set up a tripod shoot the case connect it to a live streaming equipment and then as the case wrapped up i had to quickly unhook everything take the camera off the tripod and run after out of the courtroom run after the celebrity and the lawyers so that i could get them outside to make sure we didn't miss the shot because they didn't want to send two camera people to cover the assignment for the most part a lot of times it was just me so there were times when i would be in the camera i, I was in the elevator with the, the rapper two chains after i was just in there filming him and he could see me the whole time filming him with a big tmz sticker on the camera then i'm in the i'm in the elevator with him it was so awkward and then with chris brown i tried to jump in and his security guard just kept shoving me out it was like a bounce like a like a like a whack -em. like i was just like boom 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 and like no one i i turned to the cop i was like can he do that and they they didn't care they didn't care about my needs so they let the elevator door close and chris brown got away to uh live another day that time but anyways I, he's like overzealous security guards pissed me off as well that's my point uh-huh Alec Baldwin. You know, I only pulled this up because what is he doing? What is this new haircut that he has? He looks like Garth Brooks's uh, alter ego, Chris Gaines. Is he emo now? What is he doing? You're going to start wearing eyeliner? I would love, I, I'm assuming he's making a movie and this is not just his new look. But seriously. I want to talk to you about my feelings. He actually put out a new Instagram video today. Let's check it out. I happened to see that as I was looking for news. He said, I haven't done one of these in a while. But uh, there's so much to talk about. Hey, I haven't done one of these in a while. I've been... Otherwise occupied. And if I look really, really bad, it's because I've been sick. I was sick and I was in bed for a few days. And when you're sick and you're in bed for a few days, um, for me, that means watching daytime TV. <laughs> Not literally, but I mean, I'm watching the news on CNN predominantly and then Fox and MSNBC. 
Um, probably CNN, Fox, then MSNBC last. But uh, the um, uh, I just want to say that that you know when you watch TV during the day lately, I, I mean obviously there's a whole bunch of diseases I've never heard of that there's all kinds of drugs for, and uh, there's a lot of um, you know the world of drugs and pharmacies and medicine on TV during the day. But then also um, in the last 48 hours, I've been watching the news, as I mentioned, and this whole you know, weather anomalies and disasters in uh, the Midwest and these tornadoes and heartbreaking images of that. I mean, boy, we realize what the Ukrainians must feel like right now with what's going on with that. See whole swaths of America just flattened like that. It's just heartbreaking. And then of course, indictments or the indictment. I don't know. Should we stick with this? I didn't have a chance to preview it before I watched it. He's just kind of rambling. Yes. Indictments. Maybe that six-year-old was an Alec Baldwin fan. Have we, have we ruled that out yet? Um, unfortunately, Instagram's interface is such that I cannot fast forward. I'm watching the reaction of, of, of media. You know, people that I respect, not a lot of them, but there's a handful I do respect on these networks, like CNN, for example, there's a couple I really respect. And uh, uh, just this constant echo chamber, this constant metronomic, you know, restatement of how overjoyed they are about Trump's indictment. And I want to say that Trump's indictment means nothing. Trump's indictment means nothing. We still have a Democrat in the White House with a year and a half to go before the election. You have a Democrat who's president who's older. He's old. And if he stays fit and he stays lucid, great. Republicans really shouldn't make much of that because there was evidence that Reagan was uh, incapacitated marginally toward the very last part of his term. He was in office and showing signs of uh, certain illnesses which they kept that, <laughs> what they do best is uh, circle the wagons and protect their own that way. But Trump's indictment changes nothing, nothing. Everybody shrieking and in the NFL, they used to call it the sack dance, doing the, I'm sorry, I'm holding this phone funny, or the sack dance, you know, sack the quarterback in the end zone, they'd scream, you know, I don't get it, I don't get it. I don't want Trump to go to prison. I want Trump to be held accountable for January 6th more than I do this current indictment, this current, these current charges. January 6th is the problem for me. That's the problem for the country. What a shame that they didn't bring those charges first. However, um, I don't want to see Trump go to prison. Not at all. I don't think they're going to bring the January 6th charges. I mean, it's taken them this long just to do to get this charge, which is some legal experts are saying it's not that strong of a case that Alvin Bragg has here, you know, and the same with Russia. It was always uh, for seven years. I'm sitting here saying, oh, man, this guy's a Russian asset. The minute he walks out of office, they're going to 
charge him? The only reason Mueller didn't indict him was because he's in office? Oh, God, no wonder he doesn't want to leave office. He leaves office, nothing happens. Eventually, two years, three years later, they charge him about the Stormy Daniels thing, which we already knew, and for financial crimes, like anyone cares. <sighs> just want him to go away. I want him to be banished from the American political arena and just go. And if he runs again and he loses again, maybe he will. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. But this screaming and screaming and incessant cheering and gloating is the word about Trump being indicted for these charges. These charges mean nothing. These charges mean nothing. The arraignment is apparently in Tuesday. on Tuesday here in New York where I live and everyone's saying, what's going to happen? They're going to have riots here in New York? We're going to have some form of January 6th-like riots here in New York to protest Trump's arraignment. I don't know. I don't know. I only know that the person you should all be excited about as a candidate is somebody that's going to bring us together. This idea of bringing us together, we're not here to talk about that, of us being brought together. I hope he gets, because unfortunately, I can't see how long this video is, and I can't fast forward. So I hope he gets to the point. Who is this candidate? Gavin Newsom? Let me switch over to here. Um, of us being brought together, I thought that was out of the question after Trump ran and won. And then when he lost, January 6th, what Trump fomented and what his minions fomented in this country, I thought, we're never going to come together. They talked about civil war. I was like, I don't know what that would be. You do have uh, one banana on one coast, one banana on the other coast, and the rest of this giant loaf of bread in the middle, the rest of the country. We have. Come on. How do you carve up the country? But if there was a person that we could find who could bring us together and say, listen, we're going to do things a little of this, a little of that, a little more conservatively, a little more protecting people's rights. And I won't go into the details of issues like, you know. Is he running? Is he trying to say Alec Baldwin is that guy? There's one man. There's one man who can bring this country together. Thank God, by the way. First of all, I was hoping he was going to talk about his new haircut. I didn't need to hear about his whole Trump opinions or about, you know, which order he watches cable news. As much as I do sometimes enjoy these videos, I must be honest. Uh, I was hoping he was going to talk about his hair. And I just as an aside, SNL made a great choice moving away from him as their Trump, because the new guy who does it is really just sounds like Trump. he talks the same way. So if you haven't checked that out, even if you don't even watch the show, which I don't watch that often, uh, it's worth it to watch him just because he, he nails Trump and uh, it's enjoyable for people of any political persuasion, I would say. All right, please pick a candidate. Who is it? Debt. Horrible debt this country has. Who is it? Military appropriations. Find out from what should we be concerned about that makes sense? Um, medicine for the people of this country. Transportation okay. for the people of this country. Oh, come on, please. The country's kind of a... Who? It's more than a coat of paint at this time terms of uh, infrastructure don't say michelle obama or Oprah. vital issues that need to be solved 
bail reform, the prison industry, things that need to be looked at honestly, honestly. And if we keep kicking the can, which is what the United States is. Okay, I've had enough. You can watch that on your own. <laughs> he's just not getting to the point. I don't know what he's trying to say. I do know that uh, he's a lot more vocal now that they uh, dropped that that charge that would have put him in jail for five years. And I don't think he should have been. I think he was overcharged. You know, it, it is a movie. That's that's what I've decided about that thing. It's an accident. Yeah, there's some negligence, but mandatory five years, that's a little much. Anyway, he's an emo now. He's a teenage emo. He is, uh, he's got his new hairdo. And he won't explain it. What we really want to know, he will not explain. Looks like Zac Efron in High School Musical, but like in like a some few flash forward. James Corden, it's absolutely terrifying. James Corden admits he has a huge amount of fear over quitting the Late Late Show and says he's on unstable ground as he prepares for UK return. You're not on on any unstable ground. Every celebrity loves you for some reason, even though your only thing was carpool karaoke and you just you have ran it into the ground and you've made probably $50 million or something. You're going to be just fine. Not to mention that horrible Ryan Murphy movie that you were part of, Prom, and anything else you put your hands in, your grubby little paws in. You're going to be just fine, James. Here's what you should do. You're worried. Go to your favorite restaurant and berate the wait staff until they're in tears. Okay? That'll cheer you right up. To go from like National Theater, writing a TV show on the BBC, Broadway, host of a late night talk show, shooting stuff in the middle of that, stopping the late night talk show, and then going, oh, I'd like to do another play now. It just isn't the road that's been traveled. What a humble brag. Just list it off like, eight things that most people who try to go into show business would, would be happy to accomplish one of those. I don't know what to do. It's just terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Speaking of his upcoming plans, James said, there's loads of things I love to do, but they're very reliant on people wanting me to do them. I think it's going to be really important to take a breath and take a minute. Oh, my goodness. You're just going to go and do carpool karaoke in the UK. All right. It's all going to be carpool karaoke. He's a piece of shit. Allegedly. Yeah. I mean, I again. There's always a chance when you're a TMZ camera guy that people are not going to like you just because you're showing up out of nowhere with a camera to ask them questions. And I understand that. But he's just notoriously dickish. I, I've never had a good experience with James Corden. He's an attention whore. He needs it to be all about him. Uh, he had one idea that I don't even think is good. Carpool karaoke. And he ran it into the ground. He's always trying to make buddies with very young people and thinks he's some great singer. Yeah, he loves to perform. He's up there. What is this? Put me in a movie. And of course, the waiter thing. You know, this guy abusing wait staff just tells you everything you need to know about him. 
I'm so certain it's the right thing to do to walk away from the show. I'm absolutely certain that we did everything we wanted to do. And I think it's really important to have things end. I would love to get a waiter fired. Let's keep it going. Oh, we already talked about the uh, trash talk thing. So that's done. This David Geffen, you know, I'm not a politically correct guy. I'm not woke. Not any of that. But I do always see people making a big deal about power imbalances in relationships and age gaps. Everyone's talking about age gaps. David Geffen is 80 years old, and he was spotted wearing a gold band as he departs a New York City heliport with his 30-year-old rumored partner. He's 50 years older than his rumored partner. Here is them. That's David. That, I'm assuming, on the left is the rumored partner, Donovan Michaels. And uh, I don't, I can't think of a relationship with a bigger power imbalance than 80-year-old David Geffen and 30-year-old Donovan Michaels. Like, this guy, it's come out. You think, well, okay, he's 30, Geffen's 80, he shacks up with him, Geffen will be dead, and he'll inherit the whole billion dollars that Geffen has or, or a major chunk of it. No, the prenup gives this guy only $5 million, and that's if he sticks around till Geffen dies. And I'm sure Geffen has, like, primo medical care, so you're talking about the potentially Donovan Michaels having to have sex with a 95-year-old David Geffen when he's 45, he's used up his best years, and all he's going to get out of it is five mil? I don't think it's worth the time investment. And it doesn't look like fun. I don't think David Geffen is that fun of a guy. I mean, he has a yacht and famous friends. He's very powerful. But uh, if you're like with him, I feel like he's going to keep you on a tight leash. So, like, just keep that same energy. You want to talk about power imbalances and age gaps and relationships? Here's a, a major example. You know, it's not just Madonna. It's also this. You know, I saw David Geffen once when I was uh, working a valet job. While I was home from, you know, I was getting my Rhodes Scholarship at Oxford. You know the story. And I was working a valet job and uh, over the summer. And I had to give the key, David Geffen, his car keys. So I went into the house and I gave him the keys. And he looked at me like this. And in that moment, I thought, you know what? God damn it. If I could just get myself to go down on David Geffen or something, whatever he wanted. If I could convince myself to go that way, I would probably be... If I could have done it in that moment, I would probably be famous and wealthy today. I would probably already have a major career. This was several years, probably 15 years ago or more, 20 years ago. I don't know. But uh, I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I passed up a chance at Hollywood glory. I could have been Donovan Michaels with a younger David Geffen. Think of that. I could have gotten a David Geffen who's still in his mid-60s. I just couldn't do it. So here I am commenting on his current relationship, but uh, 
again. Yeah, the guy's not going to get that much money out of it. Like, dude, I don't know. Maybe leave. Leave the relationship. Take what you can and uh, go get a degree or something. Because you're, it's, it's, I just, I, as your, as your personal business advisor, I would say you can find better opportunities elsewhere. I'd have to be on every drug. Yeah, it would, it would, would have been tough. Okay, so this I saw made me laugh. This uh, woman, trans woman, goes on catfish. Called it traumatizing. You know, it, it, it the story is not that interesting. What was interesting is how much. This person looks like David Harbour from Stranger Things. This is not, I'm convinced, this is not Sham Ibrahim. This is David Harbour of Stranger Things on the show Catfish. Like, Look at that face. Okay. Look at the structure. Look at this. You catfished me. You guys, you get... <clears throat> Let me do a David Harbour. You guys telling me you catfished me. You ruined it. I don't know. This person said they got into a fight with the main guy, Neve. Not Nev, even though it's spelled N-E-V and Nev Campbell is pronounced Nev. This guy insists on being called Neve, the host of Catfish. The trans person got upset because the catfisher was an old acquaintance that wanted to get back at them for stealing her man or something i don't know it sounds like some concocted bullshit but it's david harbour that not david harbour can you believe i'm taking so much time of this show to uh even talk about this who cares <laughs> you guys oh now i lost it all right so whatever we're done with that story all right, I talked about this before. Katy Perry got in trouble. I mean, you know, trouble. She got weird Twitter people coming after her and complaining that she was rude and mean to this contestant, this uh, theater kid contestant who was a mom. And Katy kind of questioned how dedicated she was to being in the competition because, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who could really use this opportunity to get famous for 15 weeks and then disappear off the face of the earth like every other contestant of American Idol for the last 15 years. But the woman said, no, I want to do it. And, you know, she was kind of putting on a character. It was like really like, oh, you know, I'm so anxious. It's so hard for me to do this. Oh, and Katie, to her credit, saw right through that bullshit and said, look, stop with the act. Sing. And put your effort into this or get the F out of here. That's basically what she was saying. Of course, the internet came to the contestant's defense. Because everybody loves a victim. Well, now this girl is, in my opinion, proven Katie right. She quit the whole competition to go be with her kids. Sarah Beth Liebe quits American Idol after Katy Perry mom shamed the contestant, causing mass backlash. Did you see? Oh, my God. People were protesting outside trump tower over this it was crazy american idol contestant sensationally quit the competition after judge katie perry received backlash for mocking the mother of three during her audition 
Sarah Beth shocked the judges when she revealed that she had given birth to three children before the age of 25. Is she Amish? Did they have American Idol in the Amish community? What is that? Leading Perry to quip, the young mom had spent too much time on the table in a widely derided remark. I mean, look, it, it's a little blunt. It's a little harsh, but it's a little true. Katy Perry, I think, was caught in a moment of honesty, which is rare on network television, where she was. That's probably something Katy Perry heard coming up as an artist. She probably heard some, you know, asshole music executive say, you don't want to spend too much time on the table, Katy. You're not going to have a career. She was trying to keep it real. Sarah, cho Sarah chose to walk away from the competition to be with her babies during Sunday's Hollywood Week episode, leaving judges and show producers in shock. You couldn't have them come out and stay in a hotel if they are babies. Take them out of school for a couple, take them out of preschool for a couple of weeks, put them up in a hotel, something, I don't know, Airbnb. Quit the entire competition. Maybe she really didn't want it. Again, I think Katie was right. She had performed her first round song, The Police Hit Roxanne, before telling judges Perry, Luke Bryan, and Lionel Richie, this opportunity is really rad, but this is actually going to be my last performance because my heart's at home. So I'm going to get home to my babies. They kind of need me, except she probably went like this, you know. It's Pat. Brian branded the decision a mistake while Perry begged for the mom to reconsider, probably because she thought, oh, shit, I'm going to get so much backlash for this now. I forced this mother to quit. You know, I'm, I'm being an anti-feminist or something. This comes after Sarah spoke out on the incident with Perry, which sparked mass outrage when she revealed she had welcomed three kids before turning 25. Katie, okay, Katie, 38, pretended as though she was going to faint, which prompted Sarah Beth to say, if Katie lays on the table, I think I'm going to pass out. Katie, who was a mother herself, then quipped, honey, you've been laying on the table too much. Okay, so it was just a quip. People get so upset. In a new TikTok, the aspiring singer admitted that she found the joke hurtful and went on to discourage others from taking part in mom shaming. Katie didn't say, get out of here, you loser mother for having kids. You're an idiot for having kids. Go home and set your kids free and then lock the door. You know, she didn't say that. She made a joke. You've been on the table too much. Katie Perry made a joke that wasn't super kind, began Sarah Beth. I don't have too much to say on my feelings about it because it's probably pretty self-explanatory. There she is. That was the outfit. Yeah, it's just the theater kid comes in, thinks that anxiety is a personality. I don't know if I can do a good job. I don't know if I can sing the song. I don't know. It's so hard. Ah. She continued, it was embarrassing to have that on TV and it was hurtful and you know that's that. Sarah Beth went on to encourage others to uplift women and uplift women and spoke directly to other young mothers who have reached out to her in support. But I didn't want to take this opportunity to say that I think that women supporting and uplifting other women is so cool. And I think that mom shaming is super lame. She said as she vanished back into the obscurity from which she came. 
never to be heard from again. While Katy Perry continues on. Um, what else should we get to? Uh, okay, let's talk about this before it gets too old. So Takashi Six Nine, rapper, um, got beat up. He's the guy who snitched on everybody a few years ago, so he could get out of his jail sentence. Some guys tracked him down to an LA Fitness and beat him up in the in the spa room, basically. Well, those guys got arrested. These are their mugshots. And now the wife of one of them, I believe the guy on the right with the big beard, has started a GoFundMe to release them. It's like, listen, guys, it might have seemed like a cool idea in the moment, but you can't beat up Takashi 6 9 That's a federal agent that you're beating up. That's a federal informant that you're putting hands on. You can't beat up a guy who works for the government like Takashi 6 9 and expect that nothing's going to happen. The wife of one of the men who attacked the rapper created a GoFundMe account to help with legal fees for all of the men involved. The money will not only be used for her husband, but for the other men that jumped the artists. 6 9 was rushed to the hospital with injuries to his jaw, ribs, and back. On Thursday, March 30th, authorities arrested three people in connection with the assault, which was captured on camera. On 21 hour, in 21 hours, the campaign only raised $10 out of its original $100,000 goal. Yeah, I mean, look, you thought shit was sweet. You say, I'm surprised he's still alive. That's the point. His own, the people who he put away and their associates do not care enough to track Takashi down. These three guys thought that like they were going to be folk heroes by beating up 6ix9ine. And for a brief moment on Twitter, a brief shining moment, they were getting a lot of support. Oh, man, finally somebody got him. Oh, he got what he deserved. These guys are heroes. We should, you know, set up a GoFundMe for them. I even saw people saying that, of course, no one really cares. That's GoFundMe now has raised $10. You guys were you you did something for clout i don't know and now you're gonna sit there and have to pay massive legal fees you're probably gonna have to take a plea deal it's gonna be on your record you might have to go to jail look at by the way what's with their facial hair the facial hair and then the middle guy's haircut these are three of the least stylish people i've ever seen you got two like sarnayev looking brothers and then uh jim carrey in dumb and dumber he even has the little part. That's who beat up Takashi 6ix9ine. I wouldn't contribute to the GoFundMe just based on their hairstyles. My husband is Rafael Medina. Can't talk much about the situation because it's still ongoing, but my husband stood up for what he believes in, which is beating up SoundCloud rappers. They, they look Amish. Yeah, I know. You know what? That's true. They do kind of look Amish. The Kanye effect. Right. Uh, they stood up for what he believes in, which is getting involved in something you have absolutely nothing to do with. The streets don't care. They're not going to reward you. What do you think? You're going to get the key to the city because you beat up 6ix9ine? He's a clown. I like 6ix9ine, by the way. I always found him entertaining. I was kind of, uh, I was upset when he got 
locked up initially because it, it really stunted his momentum. He was a great interview. I interviewed him a bunch of times. I talked about this last time when the beating happened. You know, he was just he he always had an opinion and he would just lie. Like I said, what about that shooting in Madison Square Garden? He said, what shooting? I said, the shooting right here. It's like, you know, a story. Gunshot, your crew fired in the hallway in Madison Square Garden. He said, there wasn't no shooting. What could I do? There's nowhere I could go. I had to change the subject. Um, yeah, he's a hardworking, loving father and husband who made a mistake. There's no excuses, but we we're hoping that during this time we can come together, support, and donate to the GoFundMe for the entire cause and for the attorney fees. Jamie Medina also asked people to refrain from the negativity because there's enough of that already. She ended the paragraph by thanking people for all of the support, all $10 of the support. The wife also listed her cash app for people who wanted to give do their donations to her directly. Yeah, everything is a fundraising opportunity. It's hilarious. Um, sorry, one second here. Having a good time? Everybody having a good time? Ugh. Look. So that's that's the Takashi thing. I was going to show you my picture with Takashi, but I can't seem to access it quick enough. Here we go. All right, one second, one second. I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling it up. This was not long before he went down. You'll see me right here. That's me all the way on the left. Good old days. And... um the guy next to him, Johnny Dang, the little tiny, uh, I don't know, Filipino man. He does all the grills for the rappers. There's Takashi. There's most of his crew that I think got locked up shortly thereafter. And there is me standing there holding the camera over my face. Um, it was a good time. It's fun stuff. Back when I was in the Treyway gang. Back in, I don't know, 2017, 2018, before he got locked up. All right, let's keep it moving. Some of this stuff I'm going to do next time because it'll still be relevant and we're just, you know, we're running out of time here. Um, oh, <laughs> not that impressive, huh? But this I saw, and I don't like this. Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, America's favorite couple, have said that they are not going to leave anything to their children. None of their $275 million fortune will be given to their children. They said they don't want their children to become spoiled and, and entitled and want them to be motivated to work hard. 
I hate when I see this. First of all, your kids are already probably spoiled and entitled because of the life that they've grown up in. I guarantee you, I mean, unless you're keeping them at an apartment somewhere in the valley while you live in Hollywood or Malibu and they get to, you know, take the bus to come see you, they're already growing up in the lap of luxury. It's almost abusive to say we're going to leave you absolutely nothing. Now, look, I understand it's a challenge when you're that rich and you're famous and your kids can Google your net worth. How do you convince them that they have to work hard and uh, achieve things and make their own money? I understand it's very tough, but this is going to breed a lot of contempt. Like they may end up working hard to screw you over. If you're leaving them nothing, first of all, um, you know, if you're the kids, and a lot of people do this, like Bill Gates says, but even Bill Gates is like, look, I'm at least going to leave him $10 million. You know, Stevie Wonder does this, though. He keeps saying, I'm going to leave my kids absolutely nothing. Like, it's, you can't, it's, if like a woman, if you can get divorced and you have to pay alimony or palimony because your significant other has become accustomed to a certain lifestyle and and this is someone who married into the lifestyle then how can you take children and raise them this way and then say we're not going to help you at all you know you're on your own at 18 we're kicking you out of our mansion well, we're just going to keep living it up like it's 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 a little cruel you don't have to give them the whole 275 you can even lie i mean look this could all just be subterfuge they could be lying so that if the kids ever do google they'll be like oh my god our parents aren't going to give us anything we better get to work Okay, but I don't think they're playing the game that way. I think they mean it. It's sick. Your kids aren't going to be the same as some nobody that is going to go and work their way through and make it. It's like everyone's going to be looking at them as the children of Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. They're going to be looked at differently. It might even be harder for them in some ways. Uh, to be taken seriously or to be treated normally by employers, potential employers. So I don't like the whole, uh, we're not giving you anything. Now for the kids, look, Ashton and Mila are young. Ashton, we know, is a major tech investor. He's into that. He'll probably be one of the first people who's going to get to like live to 125 or get immortality who knows maybe in 20 years ashton kutcher will be one of the first people with a Neuralink chip in his brain because he loves technology loves being on the cutting edge and investing but they're going to be around for a long time so you do have time to convince your parents kids i mean they're, they're, what are they 40s probably not even 50 yet you got another 40 something years you will probably make your own money and maybe by then you'll prove to ashton and mila that you are worthy of taking their, who knows, by then it could be a billion dollars. You, you will be worthy of receiving this inheritance. But at the same time, if you're Ashton and Mila, you got to also think, hey, these kids might one day just stick us in the worst home imaginable. If we don't give them some money, like those kids might get power of attorney and uh, they're going to they're gonna put you away. They're going to put you away in some hot, cramped, weird old folks home where you're going to be stuck with non-famous people for the rest of your life getting wheeled around into the day room listening to people play bingo 
and eating Metamucil all day long. If you get to a certain age and you're not going to give those kids things, that's what I would do. I would look for the worst one-star reviews. I would even find something out of the country. I would take you to a third-world country, and that was where you would spend your golden years. If you weren't going to give me any of that 275 mil, you would wind up in, uh, I don't want to say country because, uh, you know, people call you racist, but just whatever the worst country in your mind is, that's where I would put Ashton and Mila if I was their kids and they were holding the line on this $275 million inheritance. Okay. How about this? Just do they have uh, retirement homes in Afghanistan? Not that the Afghani people are bad, but, uh, you know, a nice Taliban run retirement home is where I would put you. Chill out. Give the kids some cash. Come on. They'll be fine. Is that it? Have we talked about everything? Oh, God. Meghan Markle. I forgot. All right. Do this quickly. We'll do this quickly because the chair I sit on is so... I I need to get a new chair. I need to get like one of those like gamer chairs because this is the most uncomfortable chair. It's a little wooden chair. It looks like uh, the painting of Van Gogh's painting of a bedroom and there's a a wooden chair there. It looks like that. It's just as rickety and I'm sore. So... um, What the hell was I looking for? Oh, Meghan Markle. All right. The rumor is that Meghan is getting into politics. Now, I've read this on the Crazy Days and Nights website. If you don't know what that is, it's blind items. They're unconfirmed. Uh, So the rumor is that Meghan wants to get into politics and that she wants Gavin Newsom, when people have finally had enough of Dianne Feinstein and her dementia, you know, whatever. You think Biden's bad. You should see what's going on here in California. When people have finally decided that she will be sent off to her uh, Afghani retirement home, Diane Feinstein, the senator, Megan wants to be, like, put in. She wants to replace her. She wants Gavin Newsom to appoint her to be the new senator because she knows she can't win an election. But if she can get in there and start doing some work for the people, then maybe she can have a long political career, political career. And allegedly, well, not even allegedly, but she had a, uh, pay, she paid Michelle Obama's XPR guru, $110,000. Her organization did gearing up for politics says TMZ. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's nonprofit paid a pretty penny to the woman who used to run a point on all things PR for Michelle Obama and sm- some smell politics in the air. Uh, is that, by the way, and I brought this up before, is that a good use of a nonprofit's money paying Michelle Obama's XPR guru $110,000 for what? How does that, what, what charity work does that do? You don't need a PR person. If you're a person of influence like Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, just go on Google, go on Twitter. I mean, Trump, he just went on Twitter. He got his message out. You could do the same. You don't need to pay up $110,000 uh, to to a PR guru. 
just to feel special, just to feel important. They'll just dig up all her prostituting, someone says. <laughs> yeah, could be, allegedly. Uh, the revolution surfaced in the Archwell Foundation's 2021 tax disclosure docs, and uh, which appears to have just been posted in March, in which the media perused over the weekend only to see Meghan Markle and co. shelled out hundreds of thousands in strategic PR consulting. What caught people's eye was the $110,000 that was paid to a company called KMLSA, a good old-fashioned PR agency based near San Diego, California. The top dog at this org is none other than Katie McCormick Laleyveld, who's directly tied to the Obamas. She was Michelle's press secretary for a while, officially working for the former first lady from 2007 to 2011. She's also worked for Hillary Clinton and John Kerry doing PR stuff. So... Uh, by the way, so, uh, you know, Michelle, I mean, Megan clearly trying to position herself to be a political figure and it's never going to work. She is going to be worse than Kamala Harris, another California Senator who people will hate. She's just too unlikable. She doesn't get it. She's too aloof. She's too, um, uh, arrogant. She doesn't have a self-awareness that you need. It's not enough humility. It's like fake humility. She's like Taylor Swift. Like Taylor Swift thinks she's being humble sometimes when really you can just see that she's uh, being a manipulative egotistical maniac. They're one and the same. Taylor thinks she's so quirky. Now, as for what documented purpose the Archwell Foundation paid these two agencies, their tax disclosure keeps it vague, only citing strategic support for social impact PR. Social impact PR is the biggest load of horseshit in the world. Social impact. And how exactly do you measure the social impact? Their tax disclosure show they each worked at one hour a week. Yep. $10 million missing. Yep. I, you know, I've talked to you about this, about, about how, like, in my mind, after I saw that million dollar a plate dinner thing that got Robert F. Kennedy all up in arms, I said, is this a money laundering operation at this point? What is this? I haven't been able to discover anything concrete, but there's got to be people laundering money through the Archwell or through the, the Meghan and Harry, you know, thing, whatever they are. It just has to be. There's too much opportunity. When you've, when you are putting, uh, spending one hundred ten thousand dollars for strategic support for social impact PR, you're just there, there, there's too much cover provided. Bad money is moving through there. I just know it. Can't say anything for sure, but it's just how I feel. Can you get sued for saying that's just how you feel? Uh, that could be interpreted a million different ways, but some are suggesting it as a potential signal that Megan herself might be gearing up for public office and is hiring the best people in the biz to guide her. Of course, it could also just be related to their royal drama. That's true, too. I mean, they did need a lot of help with that. We know Meg and Harry are knee-deep in their philanthropy work, and the PR consulting could easily be just about that as well. But by the same token, we also know Megan is all about causes, and there's no better place to advocate and fight for those 
and DC. Time will tell, we suppose. Now, what I read from this is, hey, we suspect she's, or, you know, we've even heard the same thing that I said, which is about the Gavin Newsom and wanting to be appointed senator. But you can't say that without proof, especially as a news organization. But that's my supposition. So, um, again, she should not do that. If anything, she should go be an actress again or, I don't know, just start a business or just go to parties. Just go have fun. Politics is, you, you know, you thought that it was that people were mean when you were just the princess. Like, if you're running to be in charge of things, to represent the state, they're really going to come after you. And everything that you heard while princess is going to be ratcheted up times 10 because now they're going to have to vote for you or not vote for you. So please, for your own mental health, do not do this. All right. We've gone long. I think this might be the longest show I've ever done, but we had a lot to cover. It's been a major big week. We got tomorrow, President Trump going to be arraigned. We're going to talk about it. We're going to cover it. Uh, there's so much to do still. The week is just beginning. So uh, thanks to everybody who joined and participated and commented. And, uh, you know, it was wonderful. We had a great show. Looking forward to see you all again. In the meantime, while this guy is still free, let's hear what he has to say. He has a, a wish for all of you. Have a good life. We will see you soon. Much love. Thank you. Love. <laughs> all right, Daniel. So once again, thank you to my brother. Tell me your name again. Dante Greco. Two words. Made in America. <laughs> Dante, you're doing great. That's good. I want you to leave my good friend Ringo alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Have a good day.